What's up, guys? Welcome to the MMA on Point live chat. Lawton told me to wave, so I did so. Oh, What's sorry. up, guys? <laughs> oh, yeah, you forgot, PT. How dare you? Uh, how is everybody doing? I am Jason, the co-owner of the channel. You guys all know me. And, of course, you know PT, the guy who's done everything around the world from the BBC to ESPN to MMA fighting to his room. So <laughs> this guy's killing it, as you can tell. And then, of course, he works for us. No big deal. And we're also joined by our buddy Lawton. This is the first time. COVID free. Yeah, I didn't COVID have it. Free. I just had an exposure scare. So we're all good, though. I'm here hanging out with the boys, having fun. Yeah. So do you mind uh, sharing a little bit about that? You were stuck at home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had uh, two different exposures, and someone that I live with had it as well. And they didn't know they had it. They got tested on a Thursday, didn't get the call until Sunday. So I was living with COVID for like four days, didn't even know it. And I was like, well, I'm locking myself in my room. Thankfully, I live in a, a pretty big house and everything is separated. So I just quarantined for like a week and a half till they got cleared, had no symptoms, no nothing. I got the vaccine, so I was hoping that was going to kick in. But we're all clear over here, so I'm doing good. Glad to be back. How are y'all doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, it's good to have the whole crew back, the OG crew. We got everybody actually here for the first time in about a month, so it feels good. Oh, yeah. I didn't think yeah. about that. Just glad Lawton's alive. Very worrying time for us last week. Uh, we had to fight back the tears <laughs> as we were doing the show because we were so worried about his well-being, but glad to see the beautiful beard and the beautiful man are back in the building. Well, I'm glad to be here, PT. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I guess with that, you know, introductions essentially out of the way let's go ahead and jump right into the kumite crunch so we've kind of changed up a little bit i actually liked it while i was on the road what you all were doing you kind of go through the topic and then you break it down a little bit further but you get the quick hot takes in the first minute of all these topics that we're showing on screen now and then uh yeah just dive into a little deeper so cool. with that being said i'll take hopefully pt can hear you let's try this yeah we're having some <laughs> mic issues so if i talk a little loud guys it's to make sure pt can hear me but all right, if you are new here, you know the drill. Or if you're new here, you don't know the drill. If you usually oh, are here. Oh, real quick. Uh -oh. I did forget to do the shout-out to Venom. Somebody mentioned Venom. We are oh, sponsored yes. by Venom. You'll see them in the chat there. 10% off. You're going to buy their gear anyway because it's good. Uh, is that the best read you've ever heard in your life? <laughs> so go ahead and use that code on their website. Shout-out to them for being awesome. We love them, but go ahead. Cool. Yeah. Yes, get, get some awesome shirts like the ones we're wearing. But... So, Kumite Crunch, we've got five topics. We're going to vote on the first, third, and fifth one of who should take it first. Should it be PT or Jason? So, y'all go ahead and put that in the chat right now. Who should take this first headline, Chandler versus Oliveira? So, go ahead, put PT, put Jason. We'll read them in a second. I'll kind of give a little backstory. We'll go to the chat, see who wins, and then we'll toss the minute to them. So, Chandler versus Oliveira headline. Simple, and I like it. Who do you think will win and why? Obviously, that's a title fight this Saturday. Some big names, a lot on the line. It's going to be a very fun night. So let's kind of get each other's thoughts on that. Let's go to the chat. Who we got here? Jason, Jason, Jason. Ooh. Oh, baby. Jason, they are, they are all about you today. I think what they're really trying to say is, <laughs> fuck you, PT. Yeah, I don't, that's how I don't I'm know. taking I could be reading that's into that too far. It. That's how I'm taking it. I don't care what they mean. That's how I've taken it. <laughs> <laughs> so jason you definitely won this one with flying colors so you get the first minute headline chandler versus Oliveira. who do you think will win and why you ready 
Yeah. All right. One minute <laughs> starting now. I'm struggling with this one pretty hard because you, when you think about it, one of our biggest breaks was working with Michael Chandler. And I feel like I have an, a bit of an attachment there. You know, I'll be totally honest. So there's so much of me that wants to overcorrect and say Oliver is going to win this one. But there's also the part of me that, you know, really sees Chandler even separated from any kind of bias that says he can do this one. And I think I've waffled back on this one quite a bit. But with that being said, I think I do have to go with Chandler on this one based on his power on the feet. I think if he lands a big shot, I think he could end it. Um, I also think that if it goes to the ground, I think he'll do well enough to potentially nullify it. That being said, we saw what happened to other wrestlers like Kevin Lee, like Tony Ferguson, who's also a 10th Planet guy. So it can go either way here, but I think I've just got to take my guy on this one, go with the team here, and say Michael Chandler's going to get it done. We'll say round two, uh, a finish. Uh, Big shot. We'll go with that. Nice. All right. Pizzi, tossing it to you. You got one minute headline Chandler versus Oliveira. Who do you think's going to win and why? You ready? Oh. Yes. All right. One minute starting now. I think um, the beauty of this fight is in the unknown element of it. You know, this is two new guys fighting for a UFC lightweight title. And that's really what we need with um, the division moving on since Abib. Obviously, we wanted Poirier in that mix as well. But the thing is, for me, uh, Oliveira, I don't think, has ever been so unanimously uh, favored in a fight. Like, I, I feel like it's unknown, but I feel like a lot of people feel as though... Without Dustin in the picture, he is the guy that has the rightful claim to the lightweight title. That being said, I think Chandler is completely comfortable with being the underdog. Look at what he did against Dan Hooker. I know revisionist history, everybody will, you know, run back on the decisions that they were making in terms of picks there because a lot of people had Dan Hooker and Chandler absolutely shut him down. Um, I think he's very comfortable with that kind of atmosphere, being the underdog. That being said, gun to my head, I'm picking Charles Oliveira. But I, I am not saying that he's beyond the upset win for Chandler here. He is very capable. Um, can we give a quick yes. shout out to the chat, actually? What do you guys think? Who are you guys picking? Let's see how that here. is reflected no, here. No, don't actually care what <laughs> they think about this. Not at all. Well, don't my... stop writing. Stop typing. Stop. D- don't, don't do care. <laughs> God. Now, actually, like, I've had the exact opposite read, and it might just be, like I said, you know, the bias part of it. But I do feel like people are more so picking Chandler, you know, reading the comments from his interview today. But I guess the people watching his interview with Ariel Wani this morning are the ones that think he's going to win, you know. <laughs> so it could be that way. Let's that's see, one so... thing he's very good at, Jay, though, isn't it? He's very good at convincing you. Like, he's great yeah. at speaking. And as yeah. I keep telling people, like, he hasn't put a foot wrong since he got into the UFC. He's always conducting himself so well. And after the hooker thing, you do get that feeling of belief. Like, I I certainly do. Like, I'm not writing him off by any stretch, but I just feel as though so many people wanted Poirier v. Oliveira, and given that he's the only person of that duo in this title mix, I think he's more favored. But I could be wrong on that one. What are the betting lines on it? Actually, what I'm seeing here, so Oliveira, Reese McMillan uh, has him down, but... Sexy and efficient, Kieran Lanes. Yes, repel open. I'm totally mispronouncing that. Connor McAmis, Caliber, Ali, uh, Shinjuku calling. Most of the people here, Hans, by far are picking Chandler in our chat, but that's just our chat. Our chat is not representative of MMA. Yeah, full of shit. At large. <laughs> full of shit. 
Um, can you pull that up actually real quick, uh, Jamie? Uh, <laughs> so it's actually plus 110 for Michael Chandler. So the betting odds do have him as the underdog. So Yeah, so the chat are wrong, basically. <laughs> but I told you that straight away. Of course they are. <laughs> the hardcore fans are different from the betting odds pretty often, I got to say. <laughs> where are the hardcore fans? Where, where did they lie on this one? Oh, they're not in the chat. You're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder they picked me. See, that's what happens. Oh. You know, it it tells you you made the right decision by voting for me. When you see this bitter response back from the guy who lost, you know, it's just vote for me. The, the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Israel open says, "Fuck you, Pizzi." <laughs> oh wow! 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 The fire. All right, cool. Well, I guess we can go. I was about to say, I was like, are we, are, are what was are his name? Are y'all finished? What was that dude's name? Yisroel Open. I have no idea how I'm supposed to say that, but that's he can't even say a fucking name, and you're picking him. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know what I'm doing with a school bag on stage. I can't even read. What am I saying? <laughs> All right, moving on. Getting back on track. We are going to our second headline of Tony Ferguson and Pizzi. You will be taking this one. We will vote don't on want the it. next one, guys. Well, <laughs> I don't make the rules, dude. I just enforce it. No. So, Pizza, you will be taking this one. We got the headline, Tony Ferguson. Uh, people will likely say Tony is either back or done based on how well he performs this weekend. At what point do you say that's due to him, though, or Benil Dariush's performance? So, does that make does that make question, Pizza? Yeah, or make sense? makes okay. sense. Makes does sense. that make question? Is that, yeah, does that make question? Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, you got one minute. Give us your thoughts on Tony Ferguson starting now. Yeah, I feel like um, it won't matter. Unfortunately, uh, the way people react to these things, if if Tony loses, they're going to say he spent 100%. And if he wins, they're going to say he's back. The thing about this fight is Benil has looked so good. And even though like he definitely doesn't have the marquee name quality that a Tony Ferguson has, but he's been in this situation so many times, the situation that Tony's in, where you're really fighting for your reputation. You feel like you've completely bottomed out in terms of your title aspirations. And Benil's been there like two times, as far as I know. So he's going to know exactly how Tony's feeling. How like He's got to be nervous. He's got to have some type of apprehension, some type of anxiety coming into this fight. And I think that will play to Benil's, play in Benil's favor. But Tony... Tony is a, like, when you think about peak Tony Ferguson, I think he is a better fighter than Benil. He, Benil is very reckless. But I think the, the great thing for the fans is it's going to be a brilliant, brilliant fight. Uh, I guarantee that this fight will be fantastic. Nice. All right. Jason, tossing it to you. Tony Ferguson, give us your thoughts. You got one minute. You ready? Uh-huh. All right. One minute starting now. Yeah, so this is a classical question of, is someone on the way down or is someone on the way up? And what does that mean? So <laughs> if Tony Ferguson loses, is it that he's at the same level he's been at and that the, the game is raised up past him? And it's not like Benil Dariush is new. It's not like he's young blood per se, but he is on an incredible win streak, the best of his career right now. What is it, a six-fight win streak that he's on right now? And I think the way people will see this if he wins 
Unfortunately, I think they'll try to take the win away from him and say that he beat up a washed-up Tony because I think that's the way the MMA world tends to work with these sort of things. It's pretty unfortunate. I really don't like that. I think it depends, though. If Tony just gets washed in like the first couple of seconds, who knows? It could just be a good shot. But if he gives a fight back and still loses then I think you can give the credit more towards Benil Dariush. It really depends on how long the fight goes, how far it goes, and how much we get to see from either man where you can make that judgment. I just think people already have their minds made up to a certain extent, which is unfortunate. So I agree with you that a lot of people just won't see it in Benil's favor. They've already got that their mind made up on it. But I think I would caution people to say, Let's look at this. Let's look at the fight. Let's see where the successes are. Are we seeing trademark things from Tony? And if we're not, then yeah, maybe there's a case to be made there. But uh, the longer the fight goes on, I think we'll be able to tell that story. And I think so much should be given to Benil Dariush, even just for being in this spot already. He deserves to be here, and he's a formidable opponent. Do I have 10 seconds left? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a two and a half minute version. <laughs> Breaking the rules, breaking the law, breaking the law. But it's it's the funny thing about this is like I I know you know of course I don't believe that it like if Benil wins it's just a washed up Tony Ferguson. But the the reality of the situation is he's way more famous than Benil Darius, right? He's a way more of a known commodity in MMA than Benil Darius. So he's the protagonist. He's the protagonist of this fight. Like I mean, he is the driving force behind the intrigue in this fight, and. You know, even before we're going into this, based on his, his last couple of outings, it's always going to be framed around, can Tony be the old Tony, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's always going to be the main talking point leading into the fight. So it feels like it's just naturally going to be the talking point afterwards, right? Like, even when people are writing headlines about this fight, if Tony loses, he'll be the, he'll be the, like, the, the main factor in the headline, you'd assume, because of his popularity. I think that just happens mm-hmm. when you get two guys who have a big kind of uh, disparity in their name value. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the the Lando Venata fight versus Tony mm-hmm. Ferguson. He was a last-minute replacement. Nobody gave him a chance. Tony Ferguson was seen to be at the height of his career, and he certainly was. You know, time definitely reflects on him very well for that period of time. But if you can imagine if Lando Venata won – that probably would have been a similar situation where people would have said, oh, Tony just did take him seriously. And it would have been more about that rather than about Lando Venata necessarily showing up. I don't know. That's a tough one, though. I can also see people maybe have, you know, picked Lando in that fight. It's just such a strange one. I think that's the most difficult thing rather than going with your knee-jerk reaction of, oh, he must be done. I think the harder question to ask yourself is what did he do right and what was Benil Darius ready for because Tony Ferguson is famous and how much does that work against him in terms of tape study? So it's like, yeah, the fame could also be the reason why the attention's on him for good reasons, but it can also be why the other team that's studying him and just preparing for him knows his techniques. And so when he goes for him, Benil just counters it. And it's it's what happened to Benil Dariush when he fought Barboza. He kept going for those takedowns after the jab. It was one of the most beautifully timed knees you'll ever see in your life. That flying jumping knee that Barboza put on him, you know? So it's a big, difficult the one. Big thing, the big thing here as well, like there's been huge changes to Tony's camp since the Gaethje fight. And, you know, 
<clears throat> both were very one-sided losses, you'd say, Gaethje and Charles Oliveira, but there has to be, like, when you've been around for as long as Tony has, like, there is an age factor here as well. To then suddenly change everything up, and I know he is, like, the sultan of spontaneity, right? Like, this guy can just, <laughs> you know, anything at any time in the training room, but it's got to have be a factor when, when you've changed the likes of Eddie Bravo out and stuff like that. There's no way that that's just a seamless transition, you know? And I think that's a, a big factor as well coming into this. Like, how well has he gelled since that Gaethje fight with whatever new team he has around? All, all I kind of know is he has Freddie Roach in the mix, but um, nothing much more than that. We never really know too much about Tony Ferguson's camps, you know? Mm. Is there a way that Tony Ferguson could lose and it would be about Benil Dariush? Is there a way that people would reflect... This is also a question for the chat. Is there any way that you could look back at that and be like, okay, it clearly yeah. Tony Ferguson showed up, maybe rocks him a few times, maybe dominates the whole fight, and then <laughs> just knocks him out. But then people might just say, oh, well, Tony's chinny now. He took too many yeah. punches from, you know, like, it, it's kind the of frustrating. Like him, bro. Yeah, like, it's kind of frustrating to look at it from the Benil Dariush perspective. It's like, he could fight the perfect fight, he could have just game-planned his ass off, come in there perfect. And I feel like no matter what, it's still going to be the story of Tony Ferguson's downfall. And I actually, I, I think I probably do have Benil winning this fight. It's a, it's a tough Yeah, one. like even the way we're talking about it, right? It's like <laughs> we're nearly setting ourselves up for I know, right? a loss for Tony. Um, and, and let's be I think t Tony's at the, the height of his power is leaps and bounds better than any version of uh, Benil has been. Like even though Benil's looking really good lately. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just getting the feeling that this... Like, I mean, Benil is a violent dude. Everywhere the fight goes, he's just all action. He's always trying to hurt people. Like, I mean, I know mm. that's a silly thing to say about fighting, but he's really, really vicious, right? And he has vicious arsenal of weapons, like knees, elbows, heavy hands. He's very good on the ground. Like, um, it, it's a really tough task for Tony Ferguson here. And I'm sure that's exactly what he wants, right? I'm sure he wants to go in there with a guy that is really, really good to prove a point, but it just feels like, um, I don't know, it doesn't feel like enough of a step back maybe after Gaethje and Oliveira back-to-back because -back, Benil mm. is entering that title fray as well now, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I should point out that there is a comment in the chat here. P.T. Carroll is the GOAT. We live in a cursed timeline. Tony tore his knee to hell, and we never got Habib versus Tony. So forget his comment. He... <laughs> He changed his screen name on YouTube to PT Carroll is the goat. You got some fans, bro. Thank you, thank you. Oh my God! It, look, I can only, I can only thank you. If I was, if I was with you, I'd probably hug you, but I can't do that. COVID restrictions. I am halfway vaccinated, though. I'll have you know. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah. So it sounds like what people are saying. So, I, and I suspect this is the, you know, because I asked that question. Um, where was it? Somebody said we're going to see some old Tony. The new age is going to start tearing him up is what Frank Lozano said. There was one person who said if it was, uh, oh, um, Keelan McLear, maybe if Tony dominates the first few rounds, Benilla adapts and wins in the later rounds where you see like the strategy or something. I feel like that's a pretty good answer, but all right, cool. How unfortunate is Tony though? Like he must be, he must be one of the greatest uh, lightweights of all time not to become the undisputed champion. I know oh, he's yeah. an interim champion maybe on a number of occasions, but it's very unfortunate that his time coincided with 
McGregor's big departure from the sport after the Alvarez win, first of all, and then the new king in Habib, who he had uh, obviously a painstaking um, circuit with when they were trying to get that fight made. Like it's it's incredibly unfortunate, but I'd find it very hard to to think of someone off the top of my head that would rival Tony in that. Like who deserved to be the yeah. undisputed lightweight champion, but never quite got there. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. Cool. All right. Well, moving on to the third headline for the Kumite Crunch, and we will be voting on this one, chat. So put it in the chat. Jason, Pizzi, who should you take know, this I don't headline? Vote for Jason. You are all dead to me. All of you are dead to me. <laughs> Setting yourself up for failure, my friend. So go ahead. Put Pizzi, my life. Put Jason in the chat. Who do you think should take it? We've got the headline, Dan Hardy is free. So I'm going to show a tweet while I kind of read about this. So... On your screen, you'll see the tweet that we're referring to. So Dan Hardy requested to be released of his UFC fight contract. He recently tweeted this post that made it appear he got his wish. Are you interested in seeing him fight again? So that's what we're talking about. That's the tweet. You just saw it on your screen. Let's go to the chat. Who we got? Ooh. Man, I feel like... uh... Nice guys really do finish last year because yeah. I've been treating the chat super well today. You you literally say fuck you to the chat and it looks and like I they're think voting Pete's you on. He wins it. Yeah. Man. Okay. Freedom. Keep them keen. <laughs> <laughs> so Pete, give us your thoughts on this tweet. Are you interested in seeing him fight again? What are your thoughts on Dan Hardy? You got 1 minute starting now. I feel like this has been going on for a very long time, right? I think we all like Dan Hardy. He's an absolutely brilliant analyst. He was a very, very good fighter. Fought for the welterweight title against GSP, of course. But this saga has been going on now. I'm actually going to look it up. Since his last fight, Amir Sadala, 2012. So we're nearly talking about the guts of a decade where Dan has been talking about Willie, won't he? He's always seemed keen to do it, but it just never came together. Um, I think it's very brave of him, right? Because he seems to have built a, a good empire there with full reptile and the raptors and they do great things. They get videos online that get a lot of views, but he's still compelled to do this at 38 years of age. I'm interested in seeing him back if that's what he wants to do. And I do like the way he's framed it around going back to Ryzen or one championship, something like that. He His name is huge with those companies. Like He would be a huge, huge get for either of those um, companies of course he had fought in asia a lot in his younger years so i'm all for it if he wants to go with them promotions i'd love to see it hmm. nice all right jason same topic dan hardy is free what are your thoughts on the tweet are you interested in seeing him fight again you got one minute starting now no i'm not interested in seeing him fight uh reason being is he had a pretty serious condition, Wolf Parkinson White syndrome, which is a heart condition. It could be a serious issue that that could lead to. I want to see this guy be healthy, and I want to see him live a long life. Um, obviously, it's his choice, but if you're asking me what I want to see, I would say I don't want to see him fight. And I also think that as great as his um, analysis has been for years upon years now, maybe there would have been a bit more interest when he first started doing it, and you could clearly see the fight IQ kind of coming through in his own analysis. But I feel like it's been such a long time. I don't think there's anything for him to gain 
in his career right now, except for injuries, except for things that would potentially shorten his lifespan. And again, it's up to him. He can do whatever he wants. But if you are asking me, am I really interested in seeing him fight at this stage of his life? I'm honestly not. Cool. With seconds to spare. Bada boom. You know what's interesting, Jay? I think he has been offered fights by the UFC, but he wanted like big marquee names, like legendary names. And I think that's that's tough, right? For even the, the guys he was trying to fight, if they have these big reputations and like, do you want to fight Dan Hardy who hasn't fought in eight, nine years? Like, you can understand them not being interested in it, like, and it causing a problem for the UFC too, right? Like they aren't going to spend weeks convincing Matt Brown, Nick Diaz, all these guys to fight Dan Hardy, right? Like, because they are kind of going, well, what do I get from that? Mm-hmm. You know? I kind of feel like that's a, pl- a, f- a factor too. Like, he seems to have said that they've offered him opponents. Look, there was mad... There was a lot of traction around Mickey Gall. Remember that? He... he like, I think the, the call-out fell flat in its face when he did it. I think it was after his second fight. Maybe it was after CM Punk. But there was still a lot of talk about mm-hmm. it, right? And he was like, no, it's not a big enough name for me. Like, yeah. I thought that was a, a great time to come back, to be honest, um, against Mickey Gall, a guy who we didn't really know anything about other than he beat CM Punk. So I, I, I thought that was a good opportunity. Um, you know, a veteran in the game, he probably wants things to line up the way he wants them to line up. But um, yeah, And he's also said that that syndrome he had, the heart problem, has gone now, which is hard to take, right? It's because gone? it Well, it's not gone. It's like, it's not, it's not like fatal to compete with it. Like they hmm. know how to manage it, uh, they know how to, they know how to treat it or whatever. Um, but that's weird considering it's it's left this nine year gap in his career, right? Like if it's suddenly, it's not suddenly. Yeah. I guess he's been saying it's okay for four, four year, three or four years, or that he knows how to, he knows how to train with it, knows how to compete with it. But it still is a, a long gap for it now to be okay. Um, and, and I don't know how much training he's been doing. I know he has the rough house there with Jimmy Wallhead in Nottingham and there was certainly a lot of training going on when that first opened but you know with his schedule and how packed it seems to be with various podcasts and different obligations and different jobs I, I wonder how much he can actually commit to to try to training for a fight now you know you know what I think when I hear that though when he says that you know because I've, I've I've heard that as well in interviews and things like that what I'm hearing and it's all speculation so I have no idea but like when he says, oh, yeah, I've got a doctor that says I'm fine, it feels like he's gone off of one prognosis because what else would be holding him back from fighting? My guess would be the UFC doctor didn't clear him. My guess would be other doctors haven't cleared him, and it's he's kind of going off of one opinion that he may not even be able to get again because who knows, maybe it would just look particularly good that day. Because if he's had all these opportunities for such a long period of time for the last four or five years, and he's wanted to compete, what's really held him back? And why now? You know, My guess is the UFC wouldn't clear him to fight. And so now and that he's away, he feels like he... What's that? And those doctors declared Spencer Fisher many, many times. Apparently. Oh my you know, God. I mean, Chris Lieben fought bare knuckle. You know, it's like, it, it's uh, people that shouldn't be fighting are definitely not healthy enough to do so. And that's that's a bit more my hunch is that he feels he can get a fight outside of the UFC. Because, I mean, if he if he's really serious about a career, I mean, I understand that he didn't necessarily leave on the best terms with the UFC, but he's still working for BT Sport. You know, it's like he's still around the league. 
and he clearly still has a passion talking about it, why not compete there? You know, if you feel like that's what you want to do, you want to have another big run, he might just feel he can get money somewhere else, but my hunch is he can get past medicals elsewhere. That's my hunch. One thing that like that makes me feel better about it um, than some guys who are coming out of retirement, like, I don't feel he's doing this for money, you know? Mm-hmm. I think he, he makes a lot of money from broadcasting. I know he's, you know, he's, he's on the outs with the UFC now, but, you know, I, I have reason to believe that that was a very substantial contract he was on for a long, long time. Yeah. And then, like, he's obviously got revenue streams through Full Reptile. He's obviously got a revenue stream through the Rough House. Uh, I'm sorry, the Hardy Wallhead gym. It used to be called Rough House. Sorry for saying that. Um, and, yeah, I feel like he's got a lot of financial streams coming his way so that's one thing that makes me feel a bit better about the situation because i think it's it's always depressing when you're seeing someone coming back for the paycheck and that's something i'm i'm not getting that vibe off down at all to be fair Mm. killing mcclear brings up a good point and also seems like the ufc is not interested in matching veterans up together just to have fun fights which is what dan is looking for i think he doesn't want to come back only to get well, he said smashed by a newbie, but risking it, I guess, would be the nicer way of putting it against a newbie. I mean, smashed I, by a newbie. Jesus, that's cold yeah. blood. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I think the UFC will make the fights that make them money, period. You know, like... Um, but it's we a were... business move, right? Like, that classic veteran V uh, prospect is is a great business move for the UFC yeah. because you're bleeding a guy through off yep. of this guy's name. Yep. So you are making a star off this old star. Like, it, it's a business move. It's as old as the hills. Like, I mean, pro wrestling, boxing, you name it. It's, it's a classic combat sports move, and I suppose that is very accurate what he said. Like, I mean, it's not their modus operandi to put on veteran V veteran fights, especially when the right. dude is just kind of coming back after a decade you know it's very hard to where does this guy fit in the division like you know for a matt brown like what does it do for me to fight dan hardy i'm not trying to have fun here i'm trying to make my last run at this or whatever you know yeah absolutely yeah it's a strange one but um yeah we'll see but yeah ready for the next cool yep moving on to the fourth topic jason you will be taking this one as well we will vote on the last one which is the next topic and that will be the tiebreaker, actually. So, <laughs> Pizzi hears it every time. What? I'm just like, that's what she said. <laughs> like, super quiet. <laughs> All right, so the headline... I said I was going to take it. I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I guess she might say that. I don't know. <laughs> headline, Rumble's ID theft. So, what do you make of this whole situation? And if you don't know, just a real quick catch-up. After his fight... Um, this past weekend, he was arrested from an ID theft charge back in 2019. Yeah, so, he he bought a plane ticket on somebody else's card without their permission. Jeez, so it's it's remarkably small in that aspect of it, but it's like, what? Yeah. So, all right, Jason, you're starting this off. You got one minute. Give us your thoughts on Rumble's ID theft situation starting now. Yeah, like, so breaking it down, you know, and saying what it was, he posted a $500 bail. He's out now. It was pretty simple, pretty short, pretty quick. But it does make you wonder how well was everything else going when he wasn't fighting? (laughs) You know, it's like, that's the first question that comes to mind. It's like, why would you steal somebody's card if you're loaded? You know, if you got tons of cash. The other thing that could be here, just to play the benefit of the doubt, what if... He did have the dude's permission, and the guy just decided this is an opportunity to 
you know, make a lawsuit or I don't know. Maybe they got into an argument and he just said, I'll fuck this guy over. I don't know. <laughs> Trying to play both sides of it there. But uh, nothing about this makes sense. J- if you just go off and on face value, he did this. Ten why the fuck cents. would you do that? <laughs> like, why would you steal someone else's card if you're loaded with cash? You're this famous athlete and you have your own businesses. Makes no sense. All right. On the dot. One minute. Pizzi. Same topic. Rumble's ID theft, and what do you make of this whole situation? You ready? Yes. All right. One minute starting now. This is a a very unfortunate return to the sport for Anthony because I think we're all excited. He had an exciting fight. Um, Obviously ran into a bit of trouble before getting one of his signature knockouts, but this isn't the first time he's been in trouble outside of fighting. And... I think as petty as this one seems to be or as, as as minor as it seems to be, it does drag up all this past, you know, people like when people write this headline, they're going to be towards the end of that article. They're going to be listing off the various complaints and discrepancies that have happened to um, Anthony throughout his career. So I feel like it's a very bad thing in that regard um, mm-hmm. because it's stirring up all this old stuff that, that happened to him and pretty gnarly stuff as well. Um, I, I just I think sport is very forgiven like Tyson Fury Tiger Woods all these kind of sins are forgiven through victories and wins and um, I think he's kind of taken a step back in terms of how the public feel about him with this even though it's minor compared to some other stuff that went on in his career before his UFC days nice. why do you think he did it huh why do you think he did it if he had to he did- speculate I don't know, man. Like I, I've That's done what I'm trying to similar. figure out. I've done something similar with the MMA on point account, so I'm just very worried. <laughs> when I get into London now. Uh, <laughs> Is this going to be amazing? Anthony Johnson moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right after you do like your next piece that just does really well. It's like a rug rug level piece where it just like takes off and then you just get arrested immediately after. It's like, Jason! (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible, dude. I don't know. Does anybody have a a reason out there? People are just saying Rumble couldn't make money off weed, is what they're saying. Yeah, man. His weed farm must have been awful. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) He's made millions, for Christ's sake. (laughs) He's he's done a lot of interviews on... um, Like, for instance, he did one with Morning Combat before his fight. And it sounded like he was involved in a lot of things. Like he was having a super lucrative career, uh, investing in a lot of different businesses, not only his own. Sounded super positive. So it's like you cake that on top of this story and everything else and the win. And it's just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> it's just yeah. totally baffling. Totally baffling. Maybe he's a kleptomaniac, you know? He just likes, he just gets off on the thrill, you know? That's Hopefully like he wasn't using his mate's credit card to uh, invest in all these things. <laughs> so it's going to get worse for him. But it, it's like, look, we want to be... Um, look, Anthony, Anthony's a fighter who we've all been very excited about. We've all been talking about his comeback for so long. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of goes the way... Well, I know he had a bit of trouble, but it went the way we, like the fan base had hoped it went. And then to get this 
afterward, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Like, you know, it just leaves like, it doesn't feel the way it should have felt, kind of, you know? It's a, like, it's a, a small step backwards when it should have been a huge leap forward. I still think it's a huge leap forward in terms of, look, he's got off to a great sure. start with Bellator, but this does leave a, a bad sentiment, I feel. Yeah, all in all, it's a very small offense, right? You know, $500 yeah. bail, so I think he'll be all right. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. But it, it it just begs the question, why, you know? So we'll figure it out. Uh, by the way, is that Lawton the Contender beer can? I didn't I just, think that is a serious crime. I just saw that and I was about to point it out. So we've had P.T. Carroll as the goat in here and someone is acting as me. And the joke is their comment was identity theft is a serious crime. And their name <laughs> is Lawton the Contender beer can. And they have my avatar, so... <laughs> identity theft is Terrifying. not a joke yeah i was like ha, 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 ha. oh god oh no identity theft is not a joke jim <laughs> straight out of the office's uh playbook there all right moving on to our final kumite topic and we will be voting on this one so chat pizzi jason who should take it we have a tiebreaker right now they are one and one so this is for all the marbles this week so put it in the chat jason PC, who should take this headline of Kayla Harrison? So, Dana White recently released a statement saying he's not sure if Kayla Harrison is ready for the UFC. Do you agree or disagree to his statement about Kayla? So, let's dive into the chat, see who we got. That computer's not loading very fast, so we're going to switch over here. Mm. Ooh, it's looking like four to two. Oh, oh yeah, this yeah. is a landslide. There's Jason oh, yeah, taking the. That's what I'm talking Ooh. about. Yeah, sorry, Pizzi. Somebody think, put uh, pizza. In. <laughs> I think uh, Jason. Just uh, a cross between our names. Pizza. Yeah, <laughs> pizza. <laughs> cool. All right, so Jason, you have won it. You got one minute on the topic, Kayla Harrison. Do you agree or disagree with Dana's comment about her not being ready for the UFC starting now? Yeah, man, I just uh, wholeheartedly agree here. Kayla Harrison ain't any good, and Dana is doing great things for our business. You know what he did? He got us out of the pandemic. He was the first, uh, <laughs> just go through like his whole like spiel, his stump speech that he's been doing lately. Now, I think it's ridiculous. It's like Cindy Dandua, who also fought last week, was somebody he used to have signed to the roster. And you're going to tell me that Kayla Harrison isn't good enough to be in the UFC she fought at 145. She can fight in a division that needs someone like her so badly. She could potentially be as free as soon as December. Come over to the UFC. Have a blockbuster fight with Amanda Nunes. Is she ready to fight Amanda Nunes is more of a question. I would lend credence to that. But is she ready to be in the UFC? What the seconds. fuck are we talking about right now? It's like this is the most obvious thing on the planet. Dana White's doing the classic thing. I don't think they want to fight. I don't think they're ready to come back. It's very obvious negotiations behind the scenes. We all know what's happening here. She is ready, and Dana's playing hardball. Nice. Cool. All right. Beatsy, same topic. Kayla Harrison, is she ready for the UFC? Do you agree or disagree? You got one minute starting now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, of course, she's like a UFC caliber fighter. There's no doubt about that. She's even brilliant in terms of PR when she gets on the mic, all of that kind of stuff. Um, she has a devastating skill set. But I do think that the problem here is when Dana White is asked, 
is Kayla Harrison ready for the UFC? All he's thinking about is, can I put her in a fight with Amanda Nunes right now? Now, I, I don't think she beats Amanda Nunes right now, but that it's a problem with the UFC because they have no infrastructure at her weight classes. They have nothing there. 145, um, Kayla comes in, she's immediately the number one contender. What else do you do with her? Um, you know, I'd love her to come in and then fight Jermaine Durandamy or something like this to kind of set the stage for that bigger fight with Nunes, but you know they won't do it. As soon as she's signed, she's fighting Amanda Nunes, and that's an issue for the UFC. They aren't ready for Kayla Harrison. They don't have any substance in that division that will see the investment pay off in Kayla outside of one fight with Amanda Nunes. That's their problem, not hers. Oof. I like it. Went the other way around. Yeah, that was a good went, went, went from another angle. Um, well, he's never going to say it out, right, Jay? Dana's not going to be like, here, fucking featherweight division is shite, mate. Like, what would I do with her? You know, when someone asked him, yeah, I don't fucking know what to do with her. <laughs> I like how you briefly switched to me and I was like talking about the angles, but it was only for like a half second. So it's just like for, for almost no explanation. It's just me doing this and it switches back. <laughs> Um, My fingers slip sometimes, okay? It's Sorry. Great. It's great. <laughs> what were you going to say, Lawton? I was going to say Michael had a super chat kind of on this topic. So, Oh, I great. Yeah. Um, Michael Horowitz, appreciate your 499 super chat. I think Amanda would run through Harrison. I think that Amanda is just on that other level. Hmm. On the feet, I absolutely do think that we could see that sort of situation play out. But on the ground, I don't think so. You know, um, but yeah, on the feet for sure. I would say that Kayla would obviously want to take that to the ground. <laughs> you know, I think anybody would, and that's not a knock on Kayla Harrison. I don't think there's a a woman on the planet that wants to stand with her except for Jermaine Durandamy. <laughs> you know, what do you think, Pizzi? I just feel like Kayla's a judoka, right? Like, it's not like she's going to be exploding from two meters away and catching a double leg. Like, she needs to get in close and body lock against Amanda Nunes, who's got these pistons for hands, right? Like, when she's in full flight and she hits people, you immediately realize that this is very different than any of these people have been hit before when, when she hits them. And I don't think anyone Kayla has fought is anywhere near as prestigious or as as brilliant as Amanda Nunes, but she is the greatest female fighter of all time, so you're not going to get many good set-me-up fights for that. Um, I think it's on them. I think completely, like as I said, it's the UFC's fault for not having any infrastructure or having no kind of pattern, rhyme or reason, to 145. And I think really, and I know, I know she looked bad in the fight against Nunes, but if you're immediately just cutting the number one contender, which was Megan Anderson to Amanda Nunes, and I know mm. she took a bad one that night, it really shows you that they have no plans for a division whatsoever. Because if you wanted 145, even though Megan lost, you keep her there and you bleed the next contender for Nunes off of her. That's the way this works. And they just, they've shown me no signs that they, they take this division seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You were saying she needs to go for a body lock? Yes. Did I get you know it right? what? I was just thinking, they're going to take a screenshot of you and somehow say that's an Illuminati symbol you were holding up halfway through. <laughs> yeah, Jason joined the Illuminati when he was in London. That's what happened. I did get vaccinated, so Illuminati. I'm on that Bill Gates train, you know? Illuminati. Illuminati. Well, uh, let's see what the chat is saying about it. The only thing I've seen from... Oh, 
It jumped. Uh, from Kayla Harrison is when she ragdoll, uh, ragdolled Murr on a practical jokers for an entire afternoon. I have not seen that, but uh, I guess shout out to you Impractical Jokers. Um, Wasn't our promo amazing, though, after that PFL win recently? No, I hate I hate that shit. I can't stand that can shit, dude. I fucking hate... Like, I, I, I've been on rants about this in the past. I hate calling it promos. It's not pro wrestling. It's not fake. It's not scripted. I get that it is entertainment, but, like, can't, could you not think of something better than what Ali Abdelaziz wrote you that night? Like, could you not just say, uh, could you not just say something honestly? Like, hey, I for real think I'm the best version of an athlete at 145 that this division has ever seen or 155. She's really at 155. But why can't she just say that from the heart and it be real and her just speak her mind rather than like a stilted promo? Like, she's not wrong. Don't uh, like, I fully agree with everything she said, but she said it just like, uh, uh, what did I say? What did I write in backstage? Like she sounded, it was horrible acting. Like if you think of it from an acting perspective, her delivery of it was just absolutely butchered. You know, it's like, I do think that there are planned promos that do go well. Like you think of Chelsea son and Anderson. Subby you absolutely suck. His delivery of it was great. You know, it's like you hear that and you're like, all right. Yeah. Like that's, that's, if you're going to plan something, you're going to give it some oomph. She was just kind of like, I think I'm the uh, best version of 155 division. I I thought it sounded super stilted, super uh, poorly rehearsed. (laughs) I just hate the idea of it. Like, just be a human being and talk. This ain't pro wrestling. This ain't TV in terms of, like, Stranger Things or some shit. I don't know. Like... You're just shitting all over Michael Chandler here. Michael, if you're listening, Jay (laughs) is completely eviscerating you for your promo (laughs) after that win. No, see, that was good too. I'm saying like a good delivery is a good delivery. Like if you're going to get out there. delivered it well. And I think you're giving Ali Abdelaziz way too much credit that he wrote that. Have you seen the fucking guy's tweets? Come on. There's no way he wrote that. I thought it was on the level of those tweets. <laughs> That's what I thought, dude. That's Frank what I thought, Edgar's man. 2016. <laughs> I think, like, I think some people, they just want, they want pro wrestling to come back so bad. They just want the 90s back. That's what they want. It ain't coming back, guys. It's gone. It's gone. It's but gone. she needs to make waves. Like that that's that's what she's that's why they're putting a microphone in her face after these things. Like you aren't in the UFC. You need to make noise. And yeah. I think she nailed it. So don't screw Same it. Same way I think Chandler nailed it. And I hate wrestling. I think it's shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Chandler nailed it. it just like I how I said uh Chel Sonnen nailed it. I think DC's nailed it in the past. You know, it's like, oh, push me. I mean, that, that was a real moment reaction, though. He's just good off his feet. It's like Brock Lesnar pushed him. He said, push me, get slept later. You know, like that was a real time reaction. It was a great fucking line. So if you're going to do it, don't uh, don't sound like you're reading your cue cards. Don't sound like uh, try to sound somewhat natural. I don't know if you got Looking something to say. Crazy over here, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking um, middle uh, middle school drama class. How about that? Uh, Air Cool, 125. Of the African champs, who do you think is most likely to lose it first? Also, I am now Anthony Johnson. C. Rumble, I can do it too. Still. <laughs> <laughs> Who's more likely to lose it first? Um, well, let's think about it. Kamal Usman, what is his greatest threat right now? 
honestly do think it's Colby. I, I think there are plenty of reasons to disagree with Colby getting his title shot off of a win of Woodley, who is on a two-fight losing streak. I do think there are plenty of reasonable arguments to say he shouldn't be there, but he's the person who by far had the closest fight with Usman, by far. So I think that's a decent matchup, but I still see, I, I think it'll be more emphatic this way around. But I, I see that as the biggest threat. Leon Edwards, those two are probably my my two biggest threats for him right now. Um, if I go to Israel Adesanya, I think Robert Whitaker is a decent threat, but my God, did he hurt him pretty bad. Um, Vittori, Vittori had a closer fight, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a close fight by any means. It was a pretty sound win. Ah oh, man, and then Francis Ngannou. I don't. I see Francis Ngannou as the the one that stays longer, um, just because I see him killing everyone. <laughs> I just see him, like doing what he just did to Stipe. Because if you get one of the most brilliant tacticians in the game knocked out of it, guy with the longest win streak in the UFC, uh, who has knockout power, he hit him with his best punch. Like he hit him with the same punch that he knocked out for Doom with when he fought Nganu the second time. Nganu just ate it. He's totally fine. Good to go. Um, I see Nganu sticking around the longest. Maybe I'll say Izzy would be the first one if I had to guess. Isn't that insane that that's yeah. where we are with this? Like Adesanya, like a, a guy who's clearly special, a guy who we all, uh, who who has become a superstar within the sport of MMA. Yeah. Now it's like, now we're like after the loss, it, like even though it wasn't in the same weight class, and I'm with you on this, I'm not trying to throw shade, but it's incredible how quickly the tides turn in combat sports. Um, mm. Any of them, like look, Deontay Wilde, they're going into the rematch with Tyson. Oh, he's going to knock him out one punch this time. He hurt him in the last round, the last one, and then suddenly it's it's gone. While yeah. Wilde is a laughing stock all of a sudden. But right now, Usman is one of the most dominant champions in the sport. Yeah, Francis Ngannou looks like an immovable object. But we've just seen Israel Adesanya lose. Yeah. So, as ridiculous as it sounds, it's probably him at the moment. Optics-wise, yeah. it's probably him at the moment. I don't see him losing in his next fight or the fight after that. But yeah, Usman has looked so fucking good. And Nganu just feels like a fighter for the ages. He's finally become the guy we all thought he could be. Yeah, I see it 100% that exact same way. It's not like, I think Izzy's going to lose. But if I had to pick, it's probably the guy who just lost... Even though it's an unfair example because he fought an absolute monster, way bigger guy in Jan Blahovic. So it's like, well, I guess you have to default to split hairs and say all these really dominant guys. I guess I'll just say Israel. Can because I just, just say, like, I'm still not finished with this John Jones and Ghana thing, and I'm sorry that I'm bringing it up again. But. Mm. If Derek Lewis beats Ngannou, the UFC, <laughs> they kick themselves in the face. Like, I mean. And I, I love the way that, like, Dana White has completely done a 180 when he's talking about John Jones now. And now it's like, hey, you know, John's John's one of the greatest fighters in the world, guys. You know, he was calling him a dickhead last month for just asking for a few more, uh, uh, more money. But now it feels like they've reached a better understanding of this potential fight that can happen down the road. And even though it's unparalleled at the moment in terms of intrigue in, in the sport, they're going to put Lewis in there, a guy who could stop a truck with one punch. And you're just like, this has got... Izzy Yan written all over it again. I just, mm. I don't think, I don't think Lewis wins. I, I really don't. They're picking Ganu all day long, but he's already beat him. We know he can stop anyone. And you've also dangled 
like the, the proposition of one of the greatest fights of all time is being dangled beyond this and Lewis can derail it all. Yep. And you're just like, how many fucking times have we seen this happen already? Well, so maybe it is actually Ngannou that has the most opportunity because there is at least what you can say is, yeah, we got some power in Robert Whitaker. We got, I mean, I wouldn't really say we have that much power in Vittori. Those are the next two guys for Izzy um, in reverse order. Of course, Vittori's up first. You go down to welterweight. I don't think, I mean, Colby doesn't have knockout power, you know? He's forced to basically go to the same thing. And I actually think that Usman will have the power advantage when it comes to the wrestling as well, not just the fact that he broke his jaw and also knocked out uh, Masvidal in his last fight. And then you look at um, Leon Edwards. Leon, I think he would do it with a combination. He would do it with a flurry. He would get and maybe get a TKO. And anybody is capable of getting a KO at any time. That's just how the sport is. But by based on probability, the guy who just knocked out Curtis Blades with one of the most vicious, vicious uppercuts on a takedown attempt I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, to be fair, maybe you could make the argument that it would be somebody that can just do a one hitter quitter. You know, maybe that would be the argument. Man, it's. I just feel like I'm. I'm very upset about this. I just feel like. <laughs> I love, that, was like, I love that like posture as well. I'm just I'm very upset about this. <laughs> Man, it's just it's so annoying. Like you get a chance to completely ignite that whole continent with the John Jones and Ganu fight, you know? Mm. And and as I've said before, the reason why Jones is asking for money is because he knows Nganu inherits that legacy. That's the way mm. it is. That's the way the fight game goes. If you beat the guy that was the best everyone's going to be like, he beat John Jones. Nobody could beat John Jones. Yeah. Like, obviously, apart from Matt Hamill. But, <laughs> you know, nobody can beat this Jeez. guy. And Nganu has done it. It adds to the iconography of Nganu. Um, it really underlines, especially is, um, to everyone who just has a, a very, very rudimentary understanding of the sport. And I don't know. It just feels like a potential banana skin, as I like to say, Jay. <laughs> Potato skin is what I prefer. Potato, banana. Is that is that is that the saying? Uh, no. So, yeah, I, 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 it's such a difficult situation because Jones is in such a gridlock with the UFC. And I don't know, man. Actually, there is a great question from a lot in the contender beer camp. The uh, identity theft is not a joke guy. He actually asked a, a related question here. Thoughts on Miocic versus Jones. So let's say things don't go according to plan. Um, and it is Derek Lewis. Does Jones take that fight with Miocic? Should he take that fight? So what was a gamble now becomes a parlay gamble, right? So now yeah. you're putting up two yeah. situations that could derail this fight happening. Mm. So I, I, I don't like it. Um, I guess, look, if you're Stipe, you like it. I know Jones won't like it. I mean, Who this is it? a legacy fight for Jones. Let him fight the baddest man in the world for his second world title. If any, like, I mean, you've put up with so much bullshit from this guy. And, and then when this massive fight is staring you in the face, you're going to be like, they sold this fucking company for $4.4 4 and they're drawing hairs over $5 million. Well, 4.2, so whatever oh I'm sorry drawing, i'm drawing hairs on the point too okay so you know <laughs> they're saying they're worth as much as 10 billion now uh, especially with the ipo and everything that's been put out there which is just mind-boggling because that was 2016 in five years 
It took him, what, 15 years of Zufa owning it to get to that point, a 4.2. And now they're being evaluated at 10 fucking billion dollars within five years. I was buying that shit. You're fucked, W-I-M-E. Enjoy that shit. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. You know, um, so I've listened to a lot of people like the Body Locks done, stuff, uh, done some stuff with Patrick Patrick Auger. Um, he does his own, uh, you know, kind of financial breakdown. And he was talking about you're not buying UFC shares. You're buying Endeavor shares. And the problem is Endeavor itself uh, is a lot of different things. And most yeah. of those other things are not doing well. You want to talk about things that were hurt by the pandemic. The UFC was virtually the only company doing well. And that was one of the reasons why the IPO didn't take off in the first place is because it happened after a really shitty year for Endeavor and uh, they didn't get the market evaluation that they wanted. They didn't get the price that they wanted for their IPO. And so when they went back, it actually ended up being lower this time. But... I don't know. I guess with the Endeavor now owning more of the UFC, more of the shares, buying up the rest of it, they felt a little bit more confident doing it this time, even though I think it was around $29 is what it was supposed to be when they canceled it pretty much the day of. Like they canceled it last minute. And then uh, the second one, it's what was it around 24? I forget what the exact price was. But anyhow, um, who would win that fight though? Miocic or Jones? If you were to see it now, I know you don't want to see it, but who would win it? I mean, this I'd probably pick Jones. Yeah. And it's not like, I think Stipe is amazing, but when you get KO'd like that, like a heavyweight, it's, it's never good. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's never mm -hmm. good news. And he's been in there with some hard hitting guys and he's, as I said before the Nganu fight, like so many people were like, we haven't seen um, Nganu do this or do that before he fought Stipe. And I was like, I'll tell you what I have seen, though. I've seen Stipe knocked out cold since he fought Francis the first time. And I think mm. that's the biggest thing we should all be aware of going into this fight. And that's what happened. So I feel like if he'd already had his chin significantly... Um, you know, significantly lessened after the D the two fights with DC. After that fight with Nganu, how he standed up after that first exchange when he got hit flush with the right hand was absolutely unbelievable. But mm. there's no way that he comes back more durable after that. You know what mm. I mean? And I'm not to say that John Jones a knockout puncher or whatever like that, but I don't know. I just I have to favor Jones here. But you literally, if they if they do that, if John Jones' debut isn't for the title, they fucked it up. As far as I'm concerned. Fair enough. I think I side with you, though. If the fight did happen, I do think Jones would probably win that one. Um, like you said, there's no way he doesn't come back a little more fucked up from that fight, getting his bell rung like that. But, but we also thought the same thing with the second DC fight. He yeah, came back right. and immediately fought DC and put on one of his best performances, come from behind performances ever by targeting the body. It was some incredible stuff, you know, really uh, inspiring to watch. Stipe do that but I think I would have to take Jones as well just because nobody really hits Jones um except for you know you could say Reyes definitely did but I don't know I just see him being faster I think he's going to be a bit more agile I think he's going to be a moving target that you see from the light heavyweights coming up even though he'll of course be bulked up I think he'll just be faster I think he'll be able to move and get out of the way and play his game where he essentially nullifies Stipe in a lot of different ways. And he also has the takedowns that DC was able to get on him. I don't think he'll get a knockout. 
who knows? We can see what heavyweight John Jones looks like with a you know thirty or so extra pounds packed on him. Same thing with DC. He didn't knock out really anybody at light heavyweight, but at heavyweight he knocked out Bigfoot way back in Strike Force, and he knocked out you know Stipe. Nobody saw that coming. So who knows? Anything's possible. But that would be my reasoning on picking Jones. I I, I agree with you, but I will say, Jay, um, anyone who is supportive of this UFC decision to do. Derek Lewis v. Ngannou and Stipe v. Jones, which is being floated, is basically saying, I'm all right if I don't see Ngannou v. Jones. Like, and are you all right with the possibility of coming out of this with a Derek Lewis v. Stipe Miocic heavyweight title fight? Are you okay? Do you think John Jones will even be arsed to fight for the heavyweight title if it's Derek Lewis and not Francis Ngannou? Like, there, there is money huh. on the table for Ngannou v. Jones because of who each guy is. And it's not going to be the same if you take one of those out. I really don't believe that it will be. So let's say um, Jones wins against Ngannou. Then do we miss out then on Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou? And is yeah, that... and I don't care. And I don't care. <laughs> We've already seen it, and it was shit. It's not going to be shit this time, though. We know that. It's not oh, going to be that, that again. Time. We said that the first time. We said that the first time. <laughs> it was a gun shy. I mean, who knows? Actually, well, see, if anything, the Derek Lewis Ngannou fight could turn out to be like the first if Ngannou loses versus Jones because then he's gun shy again, you know? Then he's tentative again. You could argue. Yeah, but I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm, I'm really for the same fight that you are, but try and play the other side. I just feel like, right, we've been here, like, we've talked about this. So many Monday meetings when we're talking about different <laughs> things in MMA. It always comes down to like us listing off the amount of brilliant fights that we didn't get in MMA yeah. or in the yeah. UFC because yeah. of them going, ah, yeah, he'll win that. Like, oh it's God. about who they are right now. It's about who Francis Ngannou is right now against John Jones right now. Right, and right. His, his, Today, whole, yeah. his issue with the UFC makes it more compelling, right? Because if they pay him and he goes in and then he beats Ngannou, it's like, holy shit, man. John Jones. <laughs> like, you know, that would be crazy. Go. It would be crazy. Oh, yeah. That's the thing, too. I, you know, as much as people got mad at Jones for what he said after Habib retired, you know, it being the wrong timing and stuff like that, oh, I am yeah. sympathetic to that. But, I mean, dude, can you imagine if he retired after Leota Machida or he retired after Rashad Evans? Like... Dude, that guy's career was insanely dominant. Nobody touched that dude. At that point, he didn't have any steroid, you know, allegations or anything like that. And of course, the fact that he did have st steroid allegations does color those. It's not like, oh man, he discovered drugs for the first time, you know? Like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm so surprised. Like, uh, T.J. Dillashaw didn't. He never heard of EPO. He didn't know what it was. Um, so, you know, not to say it doesn't affect that, but. To a certain extent, man, you got to give Jones's credit there as well. He's definitely in that debate for a reason. And, uh, yeah, man, if he were to beat Francis Ngannou, my God, would that be insane. That would just be insane. And I think he's capable of it, too. That's that's why I think we're so intrigued by it. Yeah. I got Ngannou on it, though. I'll say that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, th I think that is the whole beauty of this. It's the first time we'd see Jones going into a fight where everyone's like, best look with that one, John. Don't get touched. Don't get <laughs> you, touched. You go, dude. Jesus. But, like, it's, it's, um, it's kind of, it's the only fighter in the world that you could believe this from or about mm. is like, there's a part of me that kind of believes that, that suggestion that 
he didn't look so good lately because he just couldn't get excited. Because yeah. I've seen how good he, he can look, right? Like, we've all Ooh. seen how good he can look and how perfect he can be. Yeah. And it usually happens when he's really pissed off or when people are doubting him. And in the fights he looked kind of bad in, those were fights nobody ever doubted him in. Yeah. Those were in fights. We were like, Gustafs in the first fight. Oh, he's going to get smoked. Dude. Reyes, he's going to get smoked. Yeah. And the backlash fight, online, like covering the Reyes fight with Jones, like being there and like seeing all the comments trickle down are just like, oh, you're an athlete, huh? You're an athlete. That's all you got? Like people were, people were shitting all over Reyes saying he had no chance. Like, yeah, you're right. There's no way. The vast, like 90% of the world will be like, oh, he's never fought a heavyweight before and he's fighting that fucking superhero looking dude. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, no, he's not going to win this one. And then I wonder what that would create. And obviously mm. Dana White doesn't care. But uh, as a fight fan, pure and simple, nothing about media. Just I want to fucking watch that fight. Yeah. And I don't know how they aren't making it happen. Especially with this share bullshit going on. If you want to get people really on the UFC train, make the fight, please. Make the fight. Yeah, dude. Well, anyhow, um, Michael Horowitz asks, uh, 499 Super Chat again. Appreciate you, brother. What's more interesting of a fight? Jones immediately at Francis or should have to fight Stipe? So we've basically answered that throughout this. I think we all want to see the Ngannou fight more, especially with Stipe having a loss that takes away from it. If he was still the heavyweight champ, I think there could have been a a better argument made, especially if he had beaten Francis Ngannou. Then, there would, of course, you would say Stipe. But you want to have the best fight the best in this situation, and that's what we'd be looking at. Moving it on, Al Bryan, $2. Lego Man, been a while. So is Tom dead? Well, no, yes. he actually works at Blockbuster what? Video. Um, he's got a job there stocking the shelves. And, you know, the video rental industry, VHS, they're really taking off. You know, you got to check it out. No, uh, stolen his identity. That's what this has been the whole time. <laughs> Jay, Jay actually hasn't Tom realized Ransom. this. <laughs> Uh, no. So the, the quick answer for that is, you know, Tom's moved more into the background of things. So like we shot that interview that we've announced already with Leon Edwards, we were hoping to, you know, put it up this week when the fight happened. Of course, we're holding that now for 263 when they do fight, but, um, he's very involved behind the scenes with the, uh, video, videography, cinematography of shooting things. And then, uh, also I think you'll begin to see him once we move into the studio environment, which hopefully within the next month will be moved into a place. We've already got it figured out. We've already picked our place. We're just essentially waiting for a contract to sign boo, bam, start moving in this place and getting it decked out. So, um, I think you'll see Tom a whole lot more in that environment, but he's certainly moved into more of the, uh, production planning managerial type kind of thing so he's still crazy. here they i promise seen, they haven't even seen the face tattoo yet <laughs> you won't even recognize him when you see him again he got like half his face tattooed in maori tribal design oh yeah. that's incredible dude he's just got blockbuster across his forehead he's <laughs> he's got affliction underneath his neck here you know um ride or die uh so yeah he'll he'll be back soon you'll be seeing him uh, he's more you know moved behind the scenes because i think that's what he prefers to do and he's absolutely crushing it uh lot in the contender veer two dollars fight companion this weekend our boy chandler lot why don't you just ask why don't you just say it on the mic man you know why you got to do a super chat i just i just wanted to su support the channel All i right. guess i don't All know right. 
<laughs> no, we're definitely doing a fight companion, so this is a very special one. Um, I don't know if this is too much of breaking news here, because, uh, yeah, I'm just going to say it. You know, there's not that many people watching right now, so it's not a huge spoiler. <laughs> it's <laughs> This isn't a primetime TV show where the world will know. I don't mind saying it. So um, we'll have uh, Balian, Tom, Pizzi, and should I say this part? Should I yeah, hold it? Go for it. No, go, no, for go for it. it. And Mark Goddard uh, will be doing, we're, we've rented out a studio in England that uh, the boys will be actually shooting live. So Lawton and I will be demoted to lowly moderators in the chat. <laughs> God, I, I, like, I've got crazy FOMO on this one. I wish, I wish, I wish I could be there. But of course, I'm still moving out here in no, Tennessee. Soon, soon man. I th this will become the norm, by the way. So um, the hope is by UFC 263, we'll have our own studio set up enough to where we can actually do the stream from our own studio. If not, we'll look at doing a rental ourselves um, in the same place. But it's going to be live productions going forward. And hopefully we'll be able to do more things like what we're doing with Mark Goddard to have special guests come on and provide in-depth insight. So, yeah. Big win. That's right. Suicidal Emma, what's up, by the way? Good to see you in the chat. Man, I haven't been out of this country in over a year. I am. I cannot wait. And I'm going to terrible. <laughs> I used to travel. I used to, I used to travel every month i'd say for at least a week for a long long time yeah and i'm i was saying to jay before i came on today i was like i'm actually a bit freaked out because i haven't been on a you know i haven't done anything i know it's only like a bus journey right i get on a plane in ireland i'll be in london in 30 minutes but it's just <laughs> it's wild like you know you, you just yeah. get you're so used to something and then you're like it's completely foreign now it, mm -hmm. it's crazy yeah dude um it, it kind of felt that way for me too because i ramped up for a short amount of time you know, real, realistically, the time I was covering the UFC was only from January to March, really. I mean, it was a very short window of time. But when I was doing that, I was going to every event in the U.S. So it was like every single week I was booking a flight going somewhere. And then all of that just stopped. And it's like, I guess I'm going to England next week. You know, it's like, so I, I, I definitely relate with uh, the experience that you're talking about there because it's... It's it's a bizarre lifestyle to get used to just being holed up in your house, you know? It's definitely way more open here in America, though, than it's been for you. So I'm sure there's even another level to it for you to just not just leave five kilometers <laughs> like the mandates have been for so long, but you're actually going to a whole different country. You know, and, I have to get like I have to go through like a, a police checkpoint en route to the airport to explain ooh. why I'm leaving. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking crazy. It does feel like things are getting normal again. Like, I have to say, it, do, it does feel like things are getting back to normal. And I'm so thankful that it is because it's been a tough old time for everyone. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, after getting on a plane and getting over here and getting to work in a different country and stuff again, I'm going to feel like it's over anyway. I'm just going to be home. And, well, that's the end of COVID. <laughs> it's done. Yeah, man. You fucking... have that feeling? Because your experience has been so wide ranging lately, do you get the feeling like I think this is I can finally see the end in sight? Like, oh yeah, yeah. I think um, by the end of the summer, almost everything I think will be gone. You know, in terms of the way we're seeing it. Unfortunately, other countries like India are um, not going to be looking at the same situation. It looks like, but 
Yeah, I mean, as long as everybody just does their part and quit reading stupid as shit conspiracy theories online and just does the easy thing, which is like, oh, yeah, get a shot, feel a little groggy, and move on. Yeah, don't. Like, I, yeah. I didn't give a shit if I was sick for two fucking months after taking it. Like, I just, we need to get, get shit going again, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it as remotely a political conversation. It's like, do you want shit open? Do you want do you want concerts? Do you want to watch live bands with thousands of people? Amazing festivals. Do you want to be able to go to events and not have to worry about it? Like, especially from a UK, UK European perspective, where things are way more locked up. But even here in the states, like, dude, like I live close to Nashville. I haven't seen a band in like a year and a half. You know, it's like that's the thing yeah. you do here. That is the yeah. thing. The music city has not been able to be the music city. Sure, they've had smaller shows, but. Um, Actually, they are trying to open it up next month on yeah. like the fourteenth. So, but still, I mean, what about that? All the Nashville stuff I could do over there with you guys if I ever went over there—that's insane. It's yeah, ever since I know you, the world's been a different place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll get other opportunities to do it though, hundred percent. Because I still want to do like event coverage and things like that. Go out to things. I don't know how that's going to work. Because the last event that we applied for, you know, full honesty, they like I tried to get me and Lawton to go, and we were going to try to do something cool, and they were just like, "Just you, Jason." I was like, "We had two people before the pandemic, so we're back to square one." Like, you have to meet Lawton. What's the issue? Because they initially didn't approve me to go with uh, Tom to events, but one day I just showed up with them because we had like a group of our our team go out to Vegas to celebrate our five hundred thousand subscriber milestone which is crazy to think about because that was in march of last year wow. but we did that and they just saw me and they were like oh yeah we'll let you in it's like why don't you just approve me like what what the fuck is this process i don't get it it makes no sense like you know who i am i've been to tons of events i'm saying i'm going with a co-owner of the company i'm pretty sure it's gonna be fine just to prove both of us and for some reason and credit to the person who did let me in you know that was awesome on their part but it's just like weird, strange protocols that they have for all this stuff. It's like, what what are we even doing here? It's like, so that's the thing I'm like worried about because I want to do it well. I don't want to just send somebody out there and just have them do everything and it just be miserable because it is tough. You know, you you did it a lot for MMA fighting. I did it, you know, just for a couple months with MMA on point. And it's a pretty grueling thing. Like people, I, like I would love the idea, I've talked about this before, to bring out somebody who thinks that it's easy. Like, uh, there's that classic saying, it's like, oh yeah, reporters are the ones that aren't good at anything. They just write about people that are good at other things. It's like, no, it's like a skilled job that's actually really difficult and it's pretty grueling because you work for 12 something odd hours, then you'll go back to your hotel and then you'll try to every, edit everything up or you'll try to do it on site, upload it. And it's like, oh, well that only got 200 views. <laughs> so what did I do all day? You know, it's like, it's also that's like, it can be, the, that's most of the publications that are covering the sport. You know? Yeah. That's their situation. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's not always rewarding, you know? Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I, I just feel like, you know, any, anyone who has a general disregard for the media is just in MMA anyway, is just genuinely following what Dana White says. Right. Yeah. Same people who wanted fucking Derek Lewis and, and, Francis Ngannou because Dana said, you know, <laughs> fuck them. You know, they it's don't. It's a mind. hard job, dude. It's a fucking grind. It is a fucking grind. Um, I have a lot of respect for it. And I love it too. Like I was enjoying it. Like every week, I felt like there was something different, some sort of improvement 
we are able to make, you know, or, or trying to use new versions of technology to get a second camera angle that I could just set up on a tripod, but then I would have to figure out how to carry that around through airports. But it was a fun puzzle, you know, you like it, but you're also tired as fuck at the end of it. But anyhow, well, I've said, guys, the thing I'm most impressed about, about working with MMA on point, and it's so different to everyone I've worked for ESPN, MMA fighting, all these guys, the thing that's so impressive about MMA on point is they aren't relying on these events to make content. Mm. Like they, they don't need to be there. They don't need your fucking credentials. We're going to either cover it because we're interested in it, or we're just not going to do it. And we're going to yeah. talk about what's interesting that week. And that's a situation that none of these publications have. They rely heavily and almost exclusively on what the UFC give them. And you flipped it on its head. And, mm. and I don't think people recognize uh, the paradigm shift that that's created. Like I know, you guys kind of looked at me like I was a psychopath the first time I said this to you, but it's absolutely, it's revolutionary, to be honest. It's re like, and I know we, we're the disruptor now, but I think you're going to see a lot of people take lessons off what um, MMA on point does and not in the not too distant future. I really believe that. Yeah, man. It's like uh, everything you're talking about, the studio is about to unlock so much. It's about to unlock so it's much, us being like in the porn, same. Man. What'd you say? <laughs> And finally show my porn. <laughs> they don't just call him Pistol Pete for no reason. Um, That's right, because it's my penis. <laughs> Pistol Pete's penis. Uh, I don't know. Uh, PT's Pigskin Podcast yeah. produced by P3. Uh, however that was supposed to go. Uh, Plus porn. Which, <laughs> Plus porn. Oh, my God. It just keeps growing. It just keeps growing. Uh, well, anyhow, we did have a few more super chats here. I hope you guys don't mind us, you know, going uh, through some of the behind the scenes. Yeah, I love going on the tangents, obviously. Uh, but James Amodi, uh, $2. The UFC needs all cards with fans in the UFC, or in the USA. Why would they? I mean, right now, that's the only option. So it's not that they need to have them here because intrinsically it's the USA, it's a matter of law right now. That's their only choice. I mean, I think as soon as it's open, I think they need to explore the world, you know? I think people are dying for this sort of thing. Most of these places They're at least get... They're already talking about London. They're already yeah. talking about London. Yeah, in November or something. So yeah. you're going to be there. You're going to be there. <laughs> and um, Bisping comes over in October as well. So, I mean, that, that could be a really great time for all of that. I think it could be amazing. So, yeah, I think the world will explode at these events, you know, kind of like what we just saw at 261. I'm sure we're going to see it in 262 this Saturday. I think the the fan base is just dying for it. I mean, everybody's just dying for public events, period. Everybody desperately wants this to go back to normal. And so, I mean, Canada, you know, that was a hotbed for a while. Brazil, obviously, has such a long lineage. We've seen record attendance broken in Australia. We just got done talking about London. You see it every time they go to a new place. France is still on the table. There's just so much going on. And now they have a heavyweight champion who lived there um, and, uh, you know, French Cameroon. So it, Francis Ngannou would be massive over there. If we can get him versus Real Gone, my God, what what a card that would be. So, yeah, the, the UFC needs everything to be in the USA now. But, I mean, I think it's going to be incredible once it opens up. A few more Super Chats. Killen McClear. What do you guys think about the bad relationship the UFC has with certain journalists? I feel like media can't have opinions that don't align with what the UFC wants if they want access. It's weird. Yeah. 
I agree with that. <laughs> um, what do you think about that one, Pizza? I'll hand that one off to you. Um, it's it just literally shows the lack of professionalism they have and how new they are to this game. Like mm-hmm. this has happened to everyone that's covered the sport. And sometimes you hit <clears throat> you hit um something that will be flagged by their PR teams and stuff. And I've literally got phone calls mm. uh, where they're like, dis- and they're like, no, it isn't. And then they're ringing editors and causing shit fits left, right and center. Like it, it's really bad. It would happen in no other sport in the world. And it's actually a block to them becoming a real mainstream sport. Because as my great friend, Philip O'Connor from Reuters, the biggest news warrior in the world, always says, journalism is a process of verification. Mm. All it is, is making sure what you're saying is accurate. Making sure what you're saying you're going to do is accurate. And when you start disputing that, that means you've got skeletons in your closet. That means you're hiding something. It's not these guys. So I think it's a massive block. It's something they absolutely need to rethink. But mm. I think Dana's sentiment on the media, um, and it was it was a whole political thing. It's like you talking about COVID. When you say the media now, it's nearly a political thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. People people think we all meet up and then talk about you know who we're gonna push forward this week or whatever like that. It's it had definitely has nothing to do with the MMA media when it comes to that shit. I think it's um, Dana White just wants to be able to do what he does and not get called on it, and. That's pretty much why he's upset about it. You know, we hmm. we've got fire, we, we've got journalists banned from covering events because they broke actual news. That <laughs> yeah. is literally yeah. the fucking job. That's like yeah. firing a maths teacher for writing an equation on a blackboard. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I think that's one one aspect of the UFC where they constantly let themselves down. And and look, I've worked for some very very big. Um, media organizations and, and and sometimes mma isn't the thing that they focus on and when they hear about how the ufc is reacting to the thing they're like they can't believe it like they're mm. like is this real is this real life but that's that is a big thing that they need to improve on really yeah and one of the ones that you're talking about there is obviously the Ariowani ufc 200 brock lesnar situation and it was an actual fact like you said that he reported um and it's a really interesting thing because I don't understand how that actually even hurt the USA. I think they were just mad that somebody beat them to the news. But I think for as a consumer, as someone who's purchasing the UFC product, that's a pretty great win for fans. It's like, oh, wow, look at this big scoop. Like if you're paying attention to the sport and you're one of those people that actually enjoy following it, you're like, this is a great scoop. I'm really glad that this came out. It didn't. It doesn't hurt you in any way. It's just that they were mad that somebody beat them to it. And if you can show me any other sport where that doesn't happen routinely, the moment somebody becomes a free agent, you know, that oh, yeah. is out there in any sport, period. Um, or the moment somebody signs and it's a backdoor behind the deal thing, there is no other, it's not even just sports, any other realm where that's not being talked about. And I do think that there are people that call themselves journalists that are not journalists. You see a lot of websites out there that aren't necessarily telling news. And sometimes you do see really bad headlines out there. I can't remember which one it was. It was like there was a headline that came out a couple of weeks ago. It was like, Aljo turns down fight with Pyotr Jan. 
uh, and it didn't reveal that he actually was potentially getting surgery. And even the timeline that they had set was wrong. So sometimes you do see that, but it's usually the smaller publications. It's the idea that if someone's telling accurate news, that shouldn't be a reason for banning somebody. And I don't think that happens in other sports quite the way it does in the UFC. And I do also believe that that is a sign of its infancy. Um, the, the thing is, you become less sensitive over time to those sort of things. I, I just don't think they're as sensitive to it. They've had far more upsetting things get reported, but they don't make a big deal out of it because it's it's normal. That's their job. It's your job to keep the news secret that you want to keep secret. If it leaks, Apple's phone is all over everywhere. It's on Gizmodo's website. You know that happened with like the iPhone four ten years ago. You know, like it happens. There are leaks right now about Apple stuff happening right now that, oh, they're going to release the M2, which I'm waiting for on June 10th or whatever. It, the leaks, all that stuff happens. That's the job is to bring news to people, find the scoop, and it's the job of the other people that want to keep it secret to keep it secret. And if they let it leak, that's the news that people want to know. That's what we want to know as fans, you know? I don't know. We're also meant to be able to opine about things, give opinions. Um, you know, yeah. and we're, the idea of us all having different ones is meant to be a good thing for the fan base. Um, yeah. But again, through secondhand from Dana, when the fans hear it, they don't want us to be opinionated sometimes. And it's ridiculous. Mm. Another thing I'll say is Helwani has probably brought more people to this sport than 95% of the fighters in the history of MMA. How mm. is that a bad thing? How is it ever a bad thing? Like, I mean, the MMA hour was appointment viewing back in the day. DC yeah. and Helwani still a huge show. And yeah. and he, all he does is try to talk about the sport and talk about what's exciting him, what's annoying him, all this kind of stuff. But it, it's, 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 for, like it, it's drilling MMA into these fans who, who come away with a nuanced thought about it instead of this guy is fighting this guy at the weekend. He is a wrestler. This one is a striker. <laughs> who will win? And, and it's like... Dude, how could this be a bad thing? But somehow, because of their hate for media and people trying to find the truth and, and get the truth to the fans, he's become public enemy number one. The fact that he's been able to continue to do his career and end up as where he is, the kind of, you know, the leading man in MMA media, like, it's pretty remarkable considering how they've tried to block him on so many occasions. So I think that's a, a real mark to how great he is, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean... I don't know. A lot of times I feel like he's just asking questions that we would want to ask and don't have the balls to. Dude, I think that's fucking great. NBA, NBA. Does he even need to do this anymore? Yeah, he loves yeah. it. He loves it more than you at home. Believe me, I know the guy. He, he loves it way more than probably even Dana White. It's, it's crazy <laughs> to me how they don't see the value. Yeah. Anyhow, but I think it's a great question, Keelan. Um, you know, I, I hope to see that over time dwindle, that adversity towards the media and starting to see them more as, I mean, there's a reason why. So I think that's one last thing to add there. There's a reason why the media is there. Like, and you want to talk about Ariel Wani being revolutionary and what he's done for the sport, just to substantiate that him giving interviews. I mean, nobody was doing that on YouTube back in the day, getting these interviews that were getting millions upon millions of hits because nobody was doing it. It was essentially press conferences, and that was about it. Nobody was really successful with getting these one-on-one, -on -one, really in-depth interviews, and that's what Ariel Wani really spearheaded along with the MMA Hour. Um, but yeah, like, I don't, I, I don't know. It's just, just, I think it's a sign of infancy, and I think over time that will, you know, heal up a bit more, but I, I do think it's a sign of infancy. Also, like, 
we can't show UFC content in you know our videos or else it'd be copyright striked or claimed. Meanwhile, Marvel has a movie that have gone out. Like I've literally seen channels like the new rock stars, which are phenomenal channels, literally use video from people going in the theater and using their camera. You can tell, you look at it, they'll use like a screenshot while it's still in theaters, breaking down every Easter egg in infinity war or something like that. Meanwhile, the UFC still seizes like that's our content. It's like, well, a, it is fair use B. So, uh, a, and then B it's also promoting your content. <laughs> it's like, what, what are we thinking here? But anyhow, we all know we all know what the big thing was though in Ariel's career in terms of that moment that took him from you know just any other report to the next level was when he showed up in the live chat and started <laughs> texting away to us. Back it was a in big December moment then. in his that, career, that was, big for him. Yeah, that was a big moment for him. So glad we could put a spotlight on the kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I was against it at first, and you know. Lawton had to talk me into it. I was I was really against it. Michael Chandler coming on here, and it was just like, man, he hasn't even had a UFC fight yet. <laughs> Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Anyhow, I hope you guys don't mind us waxing on there. Uh, but uh, Flying Grayson, $5. I saw online McGregor's last win in four years was against Cowboy, who's had five losses since 2019. Thoughts and activity, yes, but that was his choice. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, we probably haven't been able to get a lot of data off of him. I think that's one big thing. I think he did look great against Cerrone. I, I think, make no mistake, I think it was a combination of two things. Cerrone is a slow starter, and so, yes, I do think he felt the pressure at that moment. But I also think McGregor was really on that night. And the unfortunate thing is we didn't see him up against a better test. And... Um, if we have to go back to this last fight with Poirier, and this will be the most interesting argument that you can make in his case, is that he did train solely boxing. He wasn't training kickboxing. Obviously, that opens up the leg kick. So we'll have to see if he's ready for that now. <laughs> I would have to think. It's like Jermaine Durandamy versus Amanda Nunes too, getting taken down over and over again. I would be shocked if we saw a similar situation play out in this next Poirier fight. But I don't I'm know. Worried, I'm worried. Um, because um, all this talk of how it, it will be different this time around, I haven't seen anyone he's training with. All I'm seeing yeah. is him training in a, a performance gym in Dubai. Mm. And you're like, I'm going to look at it going like, how is this? This like You need to have training partners. Why isn't John Kavanaugh over there? Why isn't Owen Ruddy over there? Mm. Where's Ido Portal with the, the pool noodles? <laughs> Anything. But you know what I mean? Like It just looks as though he's doing strength and conditioning in Dubai at the moment. And what what we're in camp time now, right? Like we're we're approaching that eight week to six week mark. Yeah. And obviously the world is is in a different state than it usually is, but that's the one concern for me straight away. Like, sure. who who are you training with? Like, who's preparing you for these calf kicks? Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the assumption is that he would at least train that, right? I I would only assume like I still have Poirier winning it. I had Poirier winning it going into January. Yeah. You know, I I had him. I had him pick to win going into that. But um, so I still see him winning, but I would at least assume that one aspect you would hope, right? You know, you would hope he would jump in there into the camp saying no more of these. Uh, that's not going to happen this time. I'm going to be ready for it. You know, I'm going to check leg kicks properly. I don't know. Call me crazy. <laughs> I think it's so important, man. I think it's not only important for McGregor, it's important for the UFC uh, that mm. he has a very different night, <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, 
because there's no doubt about it like the the intrigue is going down mm. you don't you don't pick up intrigue in losses it's only in it's only in victory and look if if he manages to turn it around um which i think it's 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 kind of becoming like you know it was a tough fight the second time around anyway but i thought connor could do it but after seeing seeing what happened in that second fight you know, you got to go, you got to go with Poirier this time. But the fact that I'm not seeing a huge shift in what he usually does makes me go, I don't think we're going to see a huge difference in Connor this time around. What well, does look like he's growing his hair back out, so. Oh, shit. No, he's going to win then. He's yeah, actually yeah. Gonna win. yeah, yeah. So, I don't know if you saw that. It's pretty breaking news. Uh, <laughs> People will say that shit, though. That's the craziest thing about this sport. People will be Dude. like, oh, man. When he got his hair like that, Connor doesn't fuck around. That's all it takes, man. The thing that I think we've learned is we all need Yuri's hair because what it does is it protects your chin. It means you can get hit with amazing, like, huge shots from Reyes, submission attempts, and come back and knock somebody out with a crazy move yourself. So that's it. That's what he needs. He needs to get that hair. Shit, I didn't even think of that, Jay. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's what no one's talking about. So think about (laughs) it. The casual fan 499, is there a reason you're going to have a ref with you while you're all together in person? Am I reading this uh, a little too far? Yeah, I would say you're probably reading to a little too far. So I would say the biggest thing is we shot that video with him back in January. That went superbly well, got on with him really great. So I think he'll be a fun guy to have on there, but he just has a wealth of experience over the years being involved in the sport, some expertise that he actually will bring to the broadcast. So I think, uh, I think it's as simple as that, really. And he is he's unbelievable. The guy is fucking insane. The knowledge that Mark Goddard had is crazy. And just think about the mm-hmm. fights he's refereed. Oof. It's an insane level of intellect that like in terms of officiating how this fight how this sport works, there's no one better to have with us. And I can't wait for a controversial refereeing or judging decision <laughs> to happen and just go off. Fights will be still going on, and Mark will just be giving out shit about fans calling it a robbery or whatever. I Watch him wait. just be like, oh, that's my colleague. Won't say anything. Just be like, nope. <laughs> no comment. No comment. It's like, oh, the UFC 262 is uh, fine, huh? <laughs> just change the subject entirely. There's a crowd. Do you guys notice the crowd? <laughs> we'll see, but I think, yeah, I think he'll add a tremendous amount to the conversation. I think he's a, a real blast. Like, I think he'll be a lot of fun to be around. So, obviously, I'll be watching it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I think um, we're probably about to wrap it up here. You guys have asked some really great, great questions here towards the end of this. Really appreciate you guys. Anybody who gave Super Chats, anybody just in the chat who's added to the conversation. We are about to, so, you know, just to kind of give you guys a heads up. I don't know how this whole podcasting thing will go over the next couple of weeks. So potentially I might be down. I'm just going to keep it as vague as this. It depends on how things go next week, but I may be out of the state shooting with a fighter. I'll just keep it as generic and open as that. Lawton would be coming Brock with Lesner. me. Yeah. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> he <laughs> lives Brock. in uh, Florida now. Um, <laughs> so we may potentially be out for that. And of course there would be no one to run the podcast if we're both out. So that may be a thing. You're also going to be out shooting with a fighter yourself next week. So we'll all three be off the table. If that goes um, that direction, it really just depends. And then... 
in London. So shooting some WWE promos with her yeah. and Kayla. Big Harrison. show on Ronda Rousey. That's what we're doing. Sorry, <laughs> couldn't have said anything. And, and Kayla Harrison. It's the armbar yeah. versus the armbar. Um, so uh, that may be uh, off the table next week, and then the next week after that, I don't know what we're going to do because so all this gear that's in here now, I have to get rid of all of it <laughs> or ship it off. So like I've got the lighting sim- system up here, I've got the computer that we're using to run this, I've got to sell all of it. So I don't know if I'll even still be here in this setup in two weeks. So. We'll play it by ear a little bit. We'll see what we can do. Maybe we'll just do an audio version of it. Let us know in the comments what you guys would like to see us do. But um, yeah, there might be a bit of a hiatus that we go on after the next couple weeks and come back inside the studio, fully kitted out. And yeah, next level production. So we'll keep you guys as up to date as we possibly can on it. So that being said, another shout out to Venom for sponsoring us. They are awesome. We're so happy to be partnered with them. <laughs> you can see him. He is off camera. PT went like this. Uh, I guess that's supposed to be a snake, a venomous snake. I don't know. But so, um, yeah. So thanks to them for uh, sponsoring us 10% off. Use our exclusive code. It's right there in the comments. Go ahead and hook yourself up with that discount. And uh, yeah, so big thanks to them. We've got Composer's Corner coming out later today. Mm-hmm. We've got Twitch going on later today with Mac Malley. He's been playing MLB. I don't give a shit about that. So, <laughs> baseball. I'll watch it. If, I'll watch it if Mike Marley's playing it though. Yeah, yeah. It, it honestly is a lot of fun, and a lot of people are, are getting involved in that. And he's he's been uh, reaching out to a lot of the comments to play with them. So we got that going on. We'll of course have the video going up tomorrow on the main channel. Um, we got some fun stuff playing there. We got a ton of coverage this weekend. We'll be doing a preview show. We'll be doing the fight companion, like I said, with Mark Goddard. We'll be doing the autopsy. So definitely stay tuned here. We got a ton of content coming your way. So with that being said, thank you, Lon. Thank you, PT. Thank you, chat. You guys have a great day. Like the shit out of this video, and we will see you on the next one. Peace out, homies. <laughs>